What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. successful commercial uh, is the phrase used by a girl. She turns to the other person in the commercial and says, Correcto! She also says, Delicioso! <laughs> so uh, what the commercial is that, we'll award a brass figligee with bronze oak leaf palm for cultural assiduity above and beyond the call of ordinary slob nighttime radio duty, right? Oh, yes, tonight's a little effort here is a very important little effort tonight. I think it's about time we took cognizance of one of man's major faults, uh, one of his major stumbling blocks on his uh, continual travel up the great, vast, yellow brick road of fate towards uh, God knows what. We, uh, hi, <laughs> George. Cosmic already, and we haven't even started. Well, <laughs> I got a postcard the other day from a guy who says, Shepard, you're cosmic! Well, I'm not so sure about that. I'm, I'm more, uh, more, uh, I suppose you might say, uh, Armageddonish. That's kind of nice, isn't it? It's an old uh, Armenian word. Uh, they fix this with uh, lamb, a little olive oil. It's kind of nice. A little Retsina wine 
and it's broiled maybe two, three hours over a charcoal flame. It's good. But uh, we're not here tonight to belabor you with the culinary delights of the world. Uh, tonight, uh, we have chosen as a uh, subject or a topic uh, of our uh, peregrinations in uh, the labyrinth of existence, <laughs> George. <laughs> That's the essence of style. It certainly is. Uh, if you can find uh, 12 words to say what one word would suffice to say, you do it. And you'll wind up either Melville or Thomas Wolfe. And there'll be footnotes and God knows what about you later when you've gone to meet your great uh, your great maker there. But uh, on the uh, on the way to the uh, butcher store, many of us have uh, encountered the thing which we call roughly romance. Uh, I pause for a moment. You notice those words came out of your little cheesy Japanese loudspeaker with little hearts and flowers around it. We'll try it again. Romance. Okay, romance has been the stumbling block to many a person's otherwise a fairly sane life. You agree? Uh, it, uh, it really has. It's caused low problems. In fact, that we have tonight as our first... A little, a little romance music, please, Edward, in there, please. 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 Oh, that's nice. Oh, that certainly is. Yes, and fittingly enough, it's scratchy. But, uh, it adds a little fringe around the edges of romance there. Oh, yes, that's beautiful. We'd like to salute tonight, romance, if we may. Now, now, that's opposed to love, remember. We're not talking about love here. Nor are we talking about sex. These are two, in fact, three separate subjects, often confused in the minds of cheap jack writers and the uh, people who turn out 8mm special widescreen pornies. Uh, the facts of the matter are romance, love, and sex are quite often at odds, all three of them being points of a unilateral triangle of power. Gee, that was nice, wasn't it? That's very good. Oh, yes, that's romantic as all hell. Can't you just see yourself running through a field of golden wheat with your hair flying in the wind and the blazing sun overhead and you see coming out of the forest just on the edge of the horizon, your love. And you run and run and run. You run and run and run and run and run. And you stop suddenly because she seems to be eating a fat-free yogurt. Yes, she is a girl out of a yogurt commercial, and we all love all those. Have you noticed the new commercials somehow connect yogurt with the natural way of life? And curiously enough, procreation bring up their lives. Of course, the Yugoslavian peasants have always felt that yogurt was a strong aphrodisiac. They have, you know. We are saluting romance tonight in all of its various faces. And tonight we have a little note that comes from a very romantic city. I don't know whether you've ever been there, but it is quite romantic with the heavy fog hanging over and the vast hills reaching up into the sky. Seattle. The following appeared just recently in the want ad section of the Seattle Post-Intelligencer under personals. Please bring it up, Ed, a little bit. Just a little touch there. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. This is the love story syndrome. Sue, since you left me, my heart has felt a great loss. The house seems darker than ever before. No one to talk to me at me of times. 
The warm glow that greeted me upon coming home is no longer there. Never had I realized how lonely life could be. Knowing how much this has hurt me, please stop my suffering, Sue, and send the TV back. I was signed Rick. Set that we'll need that. That's kind of a nice opening, wasn't it? Uh, speaking of openings here, while I have one, I'm going to leap right in here with good news for you skiers. Some gas saving news from the Connecticut Department of Commerce. There's good skiing right now, believe it or not, in nearby Connecticut. Beautiful snow covered slopes and trails for every member of the family. And they're near, too, just an hour or two from Midtown, exciting Manhattan. Now that means a round trip, in most cases, on just one tankaroni of gas, and more time to enjoy your favorite winter sport, which apparently is sliding up and down hills with sticks on your feet. You can get all the details in a beautifully illustrated brochure just by stopping in at the Connecticut Vacation Center here in Manhattan. It's at 1268th Avenue of the Americas right next door to Radio City. Or give them a call. Tell them, you know, you'd like to ski in Connecticut. Just call 757-4455. Either way, you'll find that beautiful, exciting, nearby Connecticut puts good skiing practically on your doorstep. In fact, I saw a guy the other day ski right down all the way into 6th Avenue, stepped out of his doorstep, and holy smokes, busted his, well, keep it there, too. It keeps that skiing there, too, with modern snowmaking and snow grooming equipment. Get big combs, you know, they comb the snow down and spray it with hairspray. So take a tip, save gas and make nearby Connecticut your place to ski this weekend and all winter long. That was nice, wasn't it? (laughs) Hi, George. I did see a guy, uh, if you don't mind, I did see a guy take a fantastic header today. Beautiful. Uh, He did a cartwheel. Uh, Yeah, he came running (laughs) running around the corner. I shouldn't laugh, but he came running around the corner on 6th Avenue uh, out of 4th Street there. You know where O'Henry's is? He came running around the corner. I know what he was running for. He was trying to head off a little old lady on crutches who was trying to get into a cab, you know, a good New Yorkese style. And he came tearing around the corner with his shoulder down, and the next thing you know, his shoulder wasn't down. His feet flew up, and he just spinned in midair. People crowded around and cheered, and he landed on the back of his neck and slid maybe 20, 30, 40 blocks. They finally stopped up around 28th Street. Saved the cab fare, though. Especially that long ambulance ride later. That was free. <laughs> I don't know what I'm laughing about here. Silly. Oh, oh yes, uh, it was romance. Isn't that it? Isn't that what we were doing? Romance, romance, yes. We don't want to forget that. That's very important. Uh, you know, I wonder what would happen if they did away somehow magically tomorrow morning, if they just did away with love. Do you realize the entire movie industry would practically collapse? And God almighty, what would happen to the song industry? They would really be struggling. I mean, I'll tell you. <laughs> and uh, true, you know, isn't it? We're so lucky that our language has made it so easy to write corny pap about that subject. 
I mean, the word love has five million words which uh, rhyme with it. Yeah? Now, if love somehow magically, say, thousands of years ago, when English was beginning to evolve from the grunts of the cavemen as they came struggling out of the, antidu- you know, the antediluvian lakes and slime of prehistory. Now, of course, we're in the slime of history, but uh, that was slime, your slime, apparently. But uh, if, you, if you can just imagine, what would have happened if, say, the word love had not turned out to be love at all? It had been something like a squibbly. I mean, what would you, what, what could you rhyme with that, you know? Dribbling, uh, fibbling, uh, you know, it just would be a hell of a business. And I, and I wonder uh, just how much of our hang-up on love in this country is because it's a word that rhymes easily with many things. You know that the love song is practically unknown in many other languages. Did you know that? That may surprise you. It's true. Because, you see, they got words that rhyme with other things, and so they write endless songs about uh, uh, trees. In, uh, say, for example, Bulgaria. Many, many songs written about trees. Very few about love. Now, that isn't to say that the Bulgarians don't uh, love, but actually, what are you going to rhyme with? Kaznadnik, which is their word for romance. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't sing. So uh, it doesn't go really well with a Fender bass. You can't play uh, any kind of electric guitar between, you know, behind Kaznadnik. And it has to be said with a certain, they, they say it has to be said with a certain guttural uh, use of the Lennox. Kozatnik. It's more of a cough. Kozatnik. That's a hell of a thing to rhyme with. I mean, even Dylan would have trouble with that. He really would. Sunday morning coming down. Now, uh, <laughs> or is that somebody else? <laughs> They're all sound. But uh, that's, uh, you know, six of one, half a dozen the other. I, and I would like to say this. Speaking of a romance, would you please, again, uh, prepare my romance music here. We'd like to salute another little romantic interlude in, uh, in modern contemporary. Well, that's uh, redundant, isn't it? Hi. Hey, you understand. You understand what that means, don't you? Jimmy just came in here and stuck his thumb up. You know what that's from, don't you? You know what the Romans meant by that, with the thumb sticking up. Yeah, that's right. Thumb sticks up, that means, okay, he can kill the lion. The lion can't kill him now. Okay, we'll save that one for next Sunday. <laughs> yeah, the thumbs up, you know, that was great. When the crowd liked the way, let's say, you know, the gladiator second from the right really fought that gorilla right down to the... Yeah, they also fought gorillas. Yeah. Thumb was up, meaning we'll save him for next Sunday when we bring in the dinosaurs. We're going to... They never give... You know, they never let him go. I mean... After all, no gladiator ever lived to wind up with his own talk show. Oh, no. And uh, you were never interviewed. No gladiator was ever interviewed by the Howard Cosell of the period. No way. I could just see him. Uh, Howard, this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is Howard Cosell speaking to you from the arena. We're speaking today to that great champion, Spartacus, who... <laughs> didn't know I knew those things, did you? Oh, I'm like an iceberg, friends. Like an iceberg floating on Long Island Sound. That would cause a little excitement, wouldn't it? Just a little tiny tip of me sticks above the surface, and this vast, vast keel hangs down over the bottom there. Hold it there. Thank you. No, let's keep that behind. This is a romantic concept. We're going to make a station break right now, and I think there's very few more romantic concepts than... 
to identify a voice floating out of the eternal darkness, the great void of space. Oh, I mean, let's face it, you turn across that knob on that cheap Japanese radio of yours, and you are probing with tiny, itsy-bitsy, transistorized fingers. You are probing the mysteries of the cosmic universe. True, quite often you get some slob yelling headlines every 30 seconds, which is one of the cosmic mysteries. Why? Bring it up. <laughs> oh, this uh, is WOR in New York. The station has deep and romantic concerns over your daily welfare. By the way, other stations say that they're concern stations. Others say they're family stations. Others will even say that they're, dy they're the dynamic stations who deal with news on the hour, every hour, 47 hours a day. Not W.O.R. We are a romantic station reaching forever for the golden fleece. The golden fleece. And we've fleeced a few. But nevertheless, we reach, we strive. This, huh? That's from the new Led Zeppelin album. That's very nice. It's called The Led Zeppelin Meets Thomas Beecham. Bring it up. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was very, that was very nice, wasn't it? Okay, thank you. You bring it out in me, Ed. I don't know what it is. Every engineer I have gives me a totally different view of life. Yes, sir. We had a chipmunk sitting there behind the counter last week. Yeah, I did these damn gnawing shows, I'll tell you. But uh, while, we're, while we're working away here... Hey, listen, speaking of romantic concepts, and uh, I've been... Uh, harassed by mail for the last year about this subject, and I'm going to announce it to you. I'm a little euphoric today. Whoops. Euphoric. I'm a little euphoric today. There it goes. There it goes. You can tell it. You hear my knees go. Yeah. Well, you know what euphoria is, don't you? The disease of the blood. Euphoria. It produces flights of fancy and also produces often uh, a hell of a lot of problems with the upstairs guys in the office. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to point out today is a euphoric day for me because a lot of people have written in the last year and have asked about uh, the paperback. And a lot of people don't buy hardcover books anymore. You notice that. Uh, for a number of reasons. Many people are living in apartments roughly the size of a Madison Avenue phone booth. And I think the hardcover book goes back to the days of Charles Dickens. You know, people had things called studies. I know a guy that's got a cigar box, which he keeps under his day bed. He calls it his study. <laughs> he takes it out once in a while. You know? <laughs> but uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, I would like to say, though, that the uh, the uh, hardcover edition always causes, whenever you write a, a novel or anything, I've, as you know, I've been doing a lot of writing the past 10, 12 years. In fact, devoting my life to it, mostly. And uh, I... I uh, after a hardcover book comes out, you get all kinds of mail from people who ask when is the softcover coming out, you know, as if uh, 
somehow uh, that's a set finite date, you know, three days after the hardcover comes out, the softcover comes out, which would show that bo- the book was a real failure, <laughs> really. But uh, seriously, though, uh, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and Other Disasters is today published in softcover. This is the 10th. And uh, if you've been watching for it, I'd like to tell you right now that it's in uh, any place around where they carry books, uh, you know, paperbacks. It's a Dell paperback. And uh, just tell him, you know. And if he, you know, if he says that, you said Gene Cherry, say, who's he? Say, well, you just order it and it'll come. Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and Other Disasters. Now, uh, that's today. And out infinitum. And, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, of romance, uh, your romance sometimes uh, does, does terrible things to people. Now, I'll give you, I'll give you the, the, uh, my, my own personal definition. And, uh, you have to do it by the process of elimination, for example. Uh, elimination. What isn't romance? Well, any, any, more, any porny is not romance. Great. Although uh, some could have it, I can conceive of it, However, the way they are today conceived, no. I would have to say uh, love, on the other hand, is something that uh, you find in large amounts in, uh, let's say, uh, novels by Siegel. You know, the guy that thinks he's a runner. You know, love story. This has a... Uh, uh, actually, that's not really love, actually, the way... The way uh, you can't conceive of that, no, no, that's not really love. That's uh, that's more or less uh, that's hardcover soap opera. What is really love? Well, <laughs> love would say be almost a Tristan and Isolde. You agree? Uh, although not necessarily Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet's more about romance. Now, romance is much more of a concept. Love is involved with one person generally, but romance is a concept. And so you can see things which are totally romantic. Now, romance, there's all very, uh, really varieties of romance. Some, some romance is so, so, uh, so corny and so bad that it becomes almost good. You know, that endless circle concept of art. You know, you can, if you produce something that is so incredibly ugly, it becomes beautiful. I mean, this, uh, this is a well-known ancient uh, Greek canard. Hey, have you ever had them? They bake them in banana peels. They're good. With a little honey on them. They're excellent with sesame seeds. Really good. They're fattening as hell. But they're nice once in a while. You eat too many of them, you make your teeth itch. But Nevertheless, I would like to suggest this. Uh, romance has all kinds of varieties. You know, it's, it's, nothing is black and white in this, uh, this world. I've never met anybody totally black nor totally white. I don't know anybody's white, do you? No. I don't know anybody's black either. On, a, on the other hand, I don't know anybody's gray. So, <laughs> I mean, I know people who occasionally get a little grayer on the gills, but uh, that's not necessarily uh, totally gray. <laughs> so... I, I uh, these these uh, abstracts uh, constantly come into conflict with the uh, uh, what you could call the positives or the concretes, right? The term black is a concrete. The term gray is a concrete. Actually, there is such a color as gray. But I don't know anybody who's black or gray. 
or white. And we're in a sort of people color. Now, they, as I say, there are all varieties of color within the peoples. I mean, they range all the way from, uh, you know, I mean, well, you know, I, uh, even even within that, you, you change color yourself. I have gotten up some very early mornings, and I have looked in the mirror, and by God, I was a different color than I was the night before. You've seen that, haven't you? Like the chameleon, you change color. But you don't do it uh, uh, purposely. Now, that's the one great thing about the chameleon. He can, he can actually do it. Now, if you will yourself to be green, I mean, like if you're, you know, you're trying to convince your boss you didn't come in last week because you were sick. Actually, you're hanging around the boardwalk with this chick or something, you know. <laughs> you cannot will yourself. I will be green. No, it doesn't work. So we have our limitations. But uh, now you take Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Now that is, that's the kind of stuff that makes um, Rod McEwen seem like a deep thinker. You know? <laughs> Sorry, I, I ruffled your thing there, your feathers. You know, many of the people who read that do have feathers that you can ruffle. And I'm sorry I ruffled your feathers. But that's the way it is. One gets one's feathers ruffled constantly in this uh, so awe too imperfect world. Indeed. You're kind of like that romantic phrase. But now, getting back to romance here. Now, here's a romantic concept. has nothing to do with love. has nothing to do with uh, even uh, even the sex, actually, if you if you want to look at it uh, you know, the way it should be looked at. Would you please uh, bring me on that romantic music? We'd like to salute. A really romantic couple. Please bring it on, please. Houston, Texas. Where else is Houston, you dope? Houston, Texas. Linda Stallings, 23, a waitress. And Melvin McClintock, 30, a bartender. We're married today in a nude double ring ceremony at a bottomless, topless lounge called the Bottomless Topless Red Eagle Lounge in Houston. No, I would not do it again, said the bride, a stunned and a stunning 36, 25, 35. It was just too much for my nerves. The bridegroom said he felt fine, but we quote him here. I didn't know the public was invited. My God. Now what subterranean urge? What groping for what ineffable beauty? What grasping for an off-receding truth caused Melvin and Linda to decide to get married nude in a topless, bottomless bar? Uh, that is a romantic concept. It has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with love. It's romance. A curious concept. By the way, that uh, brings up an interesting question. I, uh, since I'm always interested in time, and not many people in America seem to be, now by time I mean uh, time past, time future, and time present, uh, I, uh, I'm just curious what, uh, what it's going to be like, you know, 16 years from now, when Linda and Melvin, uh, long after the heat of passion has departed, and uh, they're quietly living together, you know, they got the electric can openers and the whole works going, and uh, they show their wedding picture to their son Clarence. How, how are they going to explain it? I mean, why they did this? 
<laughs> because, you know, 20 years from now, 15, 16 years from now, the topless, bottomless lounge could very well be about as uh, relevant to that day as, uh, let's say, uh, um, oh, argument's sake, uh, let's say uh, um, a castle with a moat. Now, things change. Well, I, I personally, myself, in my own lifetime, I can personally remember things called discotheques that seemed to be forever. A few old codgers who remember the Stones are still going to places that they call discotheques. But, you know, that's a really a little haven for the lovelorn, actually, today. Do you remember discotheques? Yeah. Well, that's probably the way the topless, bottomless lounge is going to go. It's going to become an archaic thing, 2015, maybe even two weeks from now. That's the way it was. Do you remember the Peppermint Lounge? Yes. Yes, oh, how peppermint is thy striped lounge. Uh, ah, you like that. It was good. Now, see, that's a romantic concept right there. See, oh, how peppermint is thy striped lounge. Oh, lost, a stone, a door, an unturned leaf. Oh, gone, oh, lost. Come back again, oh, ghost of time. That's nice. Bring that in. I'll bring that in a little bit for you there. Yes, uh, yes, oh, lost. A leaf, a stone, an unturned door. Oh, lost forever. Gone, gone, oh, lost. Oh, time and thy ceaseless flight. I'm quoting whom? I'll, I'll give you one clue. It was not Earl Wilson. Who am I quoting here? Nope. Not the late Dorothy Kilgallen either. Oh, she's a great writer, but not the... That wasn't quite her style. Oh, lost. A leaf, a stone, an unturned door. The river of time flows in a great mighty rushing roar. On and on, oh lost, oh gone. Who am I quoting? I'll guarantee you I'm quoting somebody much, much larger than Mr. Mailer. Not his style either. Quoting a pygmy. I just wonder what this writer who I'm quoting would have thought had he read Jonathan Livingston Seagull. He was known for his gigantic gusts of uncontrollable laughter. I can imagine him after about the third or fourth paragraph laughing so hard he blew all the corn pone right off his table. There's a clue. <laughs> you see, romance, that's, that's very good. You're playing that beautifully today. You know, romance, how can I say it, is much easier to define and to understand. You feel it. One does not define romance. 
by actually listening to music. That's what music does. See, because romance is a man-made creation. And so is music. Birds do not sing to other birds, showing off their beautiful voices. A bird yelling in the darkness, being overheard by another bird, is never thought to have an elegant voice. You understand even the classical whippoorwill. The song of the meadowlark is merely a warning. It is only men who mass vast phalanxes of violins to attempt to say the unsayable. is one of my favorite composers. You can almost tell at a glance it ain't Cole Porter. He's almost as good as Burt Bacharach, isn't he? Can't you see the Johnny Man singers doing this one? Exactly for readers of the Reader's Digest. How come they don't have no words to that, Myrtle? <laughs> By the way, you can always tell a bad piece of music, it needs words. like that, didn't you? That's not bad. Very good. Indubitably romantic. Now that's a... That's opposed to corny. Don't confuse uh, somebody playing Stardust on a gypsy violin with romance, friends. Yeah. My God, wouldn't you love to conduct that? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, speaking of uh, romance, and uh, yeah, I just figured, you know, he's people getting married here with the with the topless bottomless lounge. I think, you know, I said, <laughs> that, how, how are they going to explain it? You know, uh, about every couple of weeks, and that's particularly American, by the way, uh, every couple of weeks, uh, you pick up the paper and you'll find a little piece uh, uh, Gus Watanabe and his fiancée uh, Beatrice Baumgarten were married yesterday in Indianapolis on roller skates. Veteran roller skaters say, you, you, you've read this all constantly, all right? Uh, uh, that requires a certain kind of curious 
attitude towards life. And it's a romantic concept, by the way. And by the way, I also have to point out that much of romance has no logic to it, and as a matter of fact, is often infinitely silly. Now, we're we're being frank about romance. (laughs) Now, love is not silly. Love is often sappy, but not necessarily silly. Love can be very sad. Love can be tragic. Love can be uh, any one of a million things. But one thing it's never is uh, silly in the sense that romance is silly. Now, you see, Jonathan Livingston Seagull is silly. One cannot say tragic. One cannot, you know, the, 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 the concept of a, of a uh, seagull eternally trying to, to perfect his, uh, his uh, slips to windward uh, it's a kind of a because You see, the thing about a seagull is that he does not have to learn to fly. Understand that? Any more than a fish has to learn to swim. So the whole concept kind of deteriorates. Now, if you, if uh, if I were to write a book about a, a smallmouth bass who was learning to hold his breath under the water longer than any other smallmouth bass, you'd laugh like hell, wouldn't you? Well, it's precisely the concept of Jonathan Livingston Seagull. <laughs> he never mentioned how great those other seagulls could fly, too. You know, that crowd that kept going out for breakfast, apparently he never ate. Uh, and uh, that's one great thing about, about true romance. True romance recognizes, not true romance as opposed to the corny in romance, recognizes all the various facets of existence, including eating. Understand that, that eating itself can be a romantic experience. That's why so many of the great love scenes are played out over a candlelit table. Ever wondered why that's so? You come to the right place. You learn it. You stick in there. You just hang in, and by God, you just walk around. You may understand life yet. (laughs) Although that's questionable. Nobody else has. You may be the first, though, and uh, that would be fantastic. I-, I wonder how many people... I've often en- uh, envied, and yet at the same time felt very sorry for people who can answer an entire just cosmic question with a little pamphlet, a tract. A little tiny pamphlet. They send it to you. Anytime you ask like one of the cosmic questions, on the air, like like you say, you know that the that the eternal question that always has hounded all of the poets, all of the great writers. In fact, even all of the ordinary walking around people, no matter who he is, no matter what is his uh, nationality or his ethnic origin or whatever he might be, sex, race, you name it, all of mankind. It's bugged him. Why? Why are we? What is it all about? You know, you'd be surprised. Just the other day, I, asked, I was talking about that question on the air, and Predictably, within five minutes, the mail was filled with nice letters from people. Dear Mr. Shepherd, I have enclosed a pamphlet which answers the question that you asked. One must have, and she goes on, and it's always usually she, and here's this nice little folded up track, you know, the kind they hand out on street corners with a, with a picture of a smiling face on it. It says, I have the answer. That must be kind of comforting. And yet, I question whether it is comforting. It's like a guy swimming like hell, 
in a vast ocean. Isn't all that music? Yes, it is a little ad, yeah. Yes, number one, of course. It's like a guy swimming in a vast ocean. And he's rapidly tiring. But he keeps swimming under the blazing sun and the great roaring seas of a hurricane. He's swimming and swimming. And suddenly he comes upon a floating matchstick. And he says, Ah, I am saved. I will cling to this matchstick. It will save me. That's not a bad analogy. <laughs> now, it must be comforting, but it sure is only going to keep you above water. Uh, it depends on whether you're pragmatic or not. But, uh, uh, you know, romance, uh, getting back to romance, if we can, for a moment here. Of course, we've never left it from the time we came. Do you realize, of course, that the concept of what I do here is by, net, by almost definition romantic? The idea that I can come and uh, all these thoughts are churning in my head all the time. And all these things are coming together in curious little bits and pieces of uh, half-seen images scurrying through the night. And I come every night and put them together. And I put them into this mechanical contrivance that has a, a germanium crystal in it. And, and I do it in a room that's enclosed by glass. That's a romantic concept <laughs> of its own. Totally it's, I, I would have to say that this medium is quite possibly the most romantic medium there is as it floats out over the darkness. Just the concept of it. Now, uh, it could be debauched, true. But almost anything can. Oh, yeah. You'd be surprised. I went through the Vatican one time, and I found that guys were writing their names on the walls. Yes. So anything. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, you believe or non-believer, the point is it can be all debauched like the time, you know, speaking of, of, uh, of romantic concepts, I was a little kid, you know, and uh, we had a couple of vacant lots in the neighborhood, and uh, every day I'd come home from school, and I suspect that the, uh, the first, you can become romantic early in your life, in fact, you never lose it if you ever become that way, it's like pregnancy, you either are or you aren't, that if you become romantic early, early in your life, you'll never be able to shake it. Now, romantic uh, I mean in the cosmic sense. I'm not talking about sentimental. That's different. Don't confuse them. Romantics rarely send valentines. I repeat, romantics rarely send valentines. The sentimental inevitably do. So uh, uh, this, is a, this is another thing. And I'm coming home from school one day, and I see this telephone pole has been put up in this vacant lot. And sitting on top of the telephone pole is a guy. He's on a camp chair. And on top of the telephone pole has been built a little platform. And Ray the barber, the local barber, just a little touch. That's it. Just a little touch. Ray, the local barber, is sitting on top of a telephone pole with a big sign hanging underneath him in red letters that says, flagpole sitting championship attempt. Ray the barber. Ray had given up his shears, his razor, and was reaching for the sky. 
sitting on top of a flagpole in an attempt to break the world's flagpole sitting record. People came and stood around and watched him, sitting up there in his camp chair. He'd wave down to the crowd. Some people said he was a nut. Other people said, well, you know, barbers sometimes go off the deep end. They look at too many ears. But a few kids, mostly kids, looked up at Ray and said, gee. Suddenly, Ray the barber had become a totally different, entirely remote plane of existence for all of us. Sitting high up on his flagpole, his telephone pole, over his flapping sign in the wind. Ray the barber is trying for the world's flagpole sitting championship. Ah. Uh, Gladiator, hail and farewell. Go into the arena, barred and girded, ready for the eventual total fatal battle. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's pretty good. That ends tonight. Salute to Hugh Downs. And, uh, well, you know, you pick him up, you'll put him down, you win some.